The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to a special live free agency edition of a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by my dudes, Penny Carter, Patrick Crane, and Kyle Dvorak. We will be breaking down all of this week's crazy free agent news, including the latest Deshaun Watson rumors, Katie McKissick's stunning betrayal of the Buffalo Bills, tight ends filming videos in barbershops, apparently hinting at where they may or may not be signing in the year 2022, but uh, so, you know, today was kind of a, the today being Wednesday, it was a lower wattage news day. Maybe we were hoping, but not a whole lot to talk about that. Uh, we some, That's not true. Not, less new to talk about than we were hoping on Tuesday. But right before the show began, there was a stunning, stunning, stunning development. And that was Washington Commanders displaying a total ignorance of American history and sending out a QB1 tweet for our new quarterback, Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, in the grand lineage of the Nathan Peterman Bills QB1 tweet, of the Washington Commanders Dwayne Haskins QB1 tweet, of the Chicago Bears Andy Dalton QB1 tweet. And I just thought maybe I wonder which of your guys is, uh, wh- what was your favorite QB1 tweet? The most infamous QB1 tweet, you would say, in this group. And will the Carson Wentz QB1 tweet uh, join that grand lineage, Denny? It's Peterman, by the way. Peterman has to be the, the best of all time because not a single person in the the known world uh, thought that peterman was the actual qb1 uh and this was when josh allen was on the roster by the way his his, his rookie year in 2018 including him he was he was probably like wait what you know are are you is is it serious you know he probably called the coaches and said i just saw him i'm qb1 does that mean i'm i'm starting Uh, you know, uh, no, that's the worst of all time. The Carson Wentz, you know, co- comparatively to Peterman, Carson, the Carson Wentz QB1 tweet is great. Fantastic. Yeah, it makes good. all the sense in the world. Yeah. I mean, first, a few thoughts on the Peterman QB1 tweet. Like, props to the Bills for leaving that up. Like, that's an understanding, you know, of, like, humanity, America, we're always moving forward. That's an understanding of we have to pay tribute to what has come before us. And the Bills just leaving up the Nathan Peterman QB1 tweet. Like, they're doing right by the world. Just like the Chargers leaving up to P.F. Chang's tweet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the audience is quite familiar with that one. Oh, yeah, but, uh, a classic. One of the greatest tweets in the history of the app. If, if you're Twitter. chronically online, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The P- Check out, just Google Chargers P.F. Chang's. Crane, um, Kyle, do either of you have a, a, a secondary, a contrarian answer, or do we acknowledge that the greatest QB1 tweet of all time is Nathan Peterman? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go against the the Twitter historian here, Denny Carter, but I, <laughs> I will say there's probably a, a fun little narrative around the Dalton one, which is that, uh, you know, Matt Nagy probably sent that himself. <laughs> that's why that's the Bears were the only team that allowed uh, their head coach to have the Twitter password. And so <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember the, the Bears sent out 
489 Andy Dalton tweets in one 13-day span <laughs> last spring, and people were just begging them to log off. And they finally, finally did. But the Bills, by the way, the the Peterman one is just put over the top too by like this like very like abrasive like thundering EDM soundtrack. Like it was like so of them. I was like a, when EDM was like in its mainstream death rattle, and the Bills just used it to uh, soundtrack their Nathan Peterman QB one again. While Josh Allen was on the roster after they traded up for him twice in that we, draft, we can't we can't emphasize that enough. No, I don't think no, Josh Allen, currently the best quarterback in the NFL, was <laughs> on the roster. He was on I'm the looking roster. for a Christian Hackenberg QB1 tweet, but I'm not coming up with anything. So I, I think it's Peterman. There's Maybe really no Penn contest. State 2013, they might have had one for the Christian Hackenberg. He um, was um, uh, uh, AAF, or it was AF because I know it was next fall. I think he was an AF quarterback. They have to have uh, Memphis Express, apparently. He was a Memphis Express uh, quarterback. They have to have given him a QB1 tweet, and even they probably were wrong. It's funny that you mentioned Hackenberg because I'm working on a QB model right now, and I keep having to like adjust the scale because Hackenberg <laughs> keeps going into the negatives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, he, he shone brightly. He just shone so so brightly as an NFL quarterback. But I think maybe there was recently a CFL QB one tweet about Paxton Lynch, but then he got kicked yeah. off the team or yeah. something because he wasn't vaccinated. Oh, is that, um, so, yeah. Yeah. I know you got cut. He's on <laughs> Michigan Panthers. Is that right? Is he on the fight in Fishers? I don't know. I'm so pretty a lot sure. of things people need to Google. They need to Google the Michigan Portlanders or something, whatever they're called. They well, need to Google. All the right, well, they're Peterman. the Panthers. All right. Let's not be that disrespectful. The we Nathan can disrespect P- the quarterbacks, but the great franchise that is the Michigan Panthers, I won't stand for it. I do follow the Michigan Panthers on Twitter. I will say they're, I think maybe I already had to mute them. They tweet a lot. Uh, one, one thing that you can say about Christian Hackenberg was that he was tall. <laughs> was he even that tall? I mean, I think he was like 6'2", which is tall for an average human. Oh, and like, no, He's only 6'2". No, yeah. I'd kill for 6'2". Paxton Lynch was tall. Yeah, I mean, Paxton Lynch was like 6'11", 7'1", 7'2", I excuse think. Excuse me, um, Christian Hackenberg was 6'4". Okay. All right. All right. He's still put that out. He's really tall. Even for he tried out at center yet. The (laughs) most important part of being a quarterback is being tall. Obviously, all that matters. All that matters. There's something to that. (laughs) Shoot, there is, isn't there? Well, well. Anyways, we all just got exposed, but uh, yeah. So, but just Google a lot of good stuff to Google there. We were hoping by the time we aired the show that Deshaun Watson. Would have a new team for a variety just, of reasons. We just keep we'd... vamping dumb quarterback stuff till we get the Watson yeah. news. It's 3 a.m. We're really struggling. <laughs> just vamping till Friday at 4.45 p.m. Like everyone else has long since dropped off to watch the NCAA tournament. But we we're hoping he would sign by now, uh, A, so we'd have a big news item to talk about on the show, and B, you know, like, kind of like break loose this whole free agent market, which is kind of like log jammed right now, is a lot of the money is like tied up waiting for – like lots of teams have a lot riding – on this decision. And it's crazy. I mean, as of Wednesday evening, so by the time you listen to this show, if you're downloading, listening to the show on Thursday, there's a good chance Deshaun Watson will actually have a new home. But like we, after all these rumors all week, I feel like we still like don't even have a good lean on where he's going to go. We are already getting collateral damage. Like whereas Baker Mayfield has announced his divorce from the Cleveland Browns. But do any of you even have a good lean on where you think he's going? Nope. I, I, I think uh, I think Cleveland is a, is the most sensible landing spot at the at the moment. I, I don't get the appeal with the Saints. Uh, Saints are down bad. Let's just be honest about it. Um, you know the Panthers have 
uh, DJ Moore and 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 Christian McCaffrey, which is which is nice. But the Browns have like a uh, like a real team. Like two years ago, they were an ascendant team. Okay, and they, and they had a down 2021 with Mayfield struggling through three or four serious injuries. For some reason, he kept playing. He probably the team probably would have been better if they if they would have been able to rest him for a while last last year. But either he didn't let them or they couldn't or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that they, you know, they have a de- uh, a solid defense. Uh, they have pieces on the offense. Um, you can't take that away from them. Anyway, I think, I think Watson is, would, would look at Cleveland and say, you know, that, that team has a, a better chance to be successful than the other teams that are trying to recruit me. I think that's fair. I, I do think that the saints have some appeal where they, they seem to have made peace with Michael Thomas. You've got, you know, Deontay Harris is a deep threat. You know, I, I think Watson would do just fine with him. Got Child Kamara. Man. Yeah, you've got some pieces. They, <laughs> you know, they could be okay. You also have, let's be honest, probably the head coach coming back once Deshaun Watson lands in the Saints, right? We're, we're, we're gonna, the, the retirement uh, isn't going to look quite as nice once Deshaun Watson is there. So you're going to have a Sean Payton offense probably in a year or two. I think even if it's you know, not there, a Sean Payton appeal. offense by name, it will be a Sean Payton offense because uh, what Pete, Pete Carmichael, right? Their uh, offense coordinator has been there since like the 1700s or something. He's literally like never even been named as like a head coaching candidate. He was just perfectly fine hanging out with Sean Payton, having a good time running a fun offense. And uh, I guess finally, you know, that's uh, now he takes over the reins. So even if not really a Sean Payton offense, uh, like by having Sean Payton, it's spiritually the Sean Payton offense. So I, I kind of agree that, and the national and local reporters tend to agree with Ukraine that like saints do seem somewhat likely just based on all the rumors. I think Cleveland makes a little more sense because they have a better cap situation. I think they've been a little, uh, a little more prudent with their spending, both in draft capital, not trading up nearly as much and obviously literal dollars. So I think I'd rather see him land in Cleveland, but the saints seem to be the lean of sort of the reporting as, as it's gone. Also, this is like total speculation. I don't know, but like, it's actually close to Houston. Like, maybe Watson's like, I don't, I might not have to move. You know, like you could kind of just there. You know, those considerations, however much they matter. Say the one team of the four. So the four that seem to be being considered are the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, and Browns. I'm sure the Falcons are a distant fourth. Oh, yeah. and like, they're the one team that shouldn't even be considering this because. A team, so it sounds both the Saints and the Panthers have apparently met the threshold of offering three first round picks. And like, if the Falcons did that, I mean, a team that has holes in essentially every position group on the entire roster, just it would just be like a dead situation walking for all involved, I feel like. And it would just be like totally dead on arrival, basically, Deshaun Watson in Atlanta. And there's just that's a team that's a roster that cannot afford straight up just can't afford to trade three first round picks and more because it sounds like it's like a minimum of three first round picks and you know just no receiving talent whatsoever just just the fit makes no sense in any way shape or form the 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 texans want players along with the three firsts like and i i honestly don't even know who that would be on the falcons who who would they want besides Pitts? i don't know yeah it's uh, i mean i guess the jarvis landry uh they could maybe sign but 
It would be like a we'd need David Stern to come in and block the trade or something. He probably yeah. He I mean, just, they would, Goodell would. Goodell's not above like block like doing that. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, it like would that. literally be the exact same thing. Watson was with the Houston Houston Texans not last year, but the last year he played with them, where I believe he went four and twelve in his final season because he was the only good player, and they will not be able to acquire any more good players via the cost of acquiring Deshaun Watson. So it would be exactly and probably worse than his final situation with the Texans. So we just talked a lot about Deshaun Watson. Hopefully this is some of this still makes sense by Thursday afternoon. If you're listening to this in your car on your commute home Thursday evening, but it's Wednesday evening. We got people watching with us live and yeah, it's just a crazy situation where it's like this big of a domino to fall. And I agree. The rumors seem to be leaning towards the saints, but it doesn't seem like any of the national reporters really have a lean on this. And this is an unprecedented situation. I think the, the Panthers are probably the most desperate Right, they are, and I feel like they Rules still might just, be the best roster. Uh, no, Saints have a good ro- like Saints have a legitimately good roster. They are just capped at what they're you know they're done spending right now. This is the end of what they see, do. They have a and, good roster. They have a top heavy roster. Their their thing where they used to have like for a while they were like the deepest team in the NFL. That's not the case anymore. Michael Thomas you know, has barely played in two years. Alvin Kamara took so many hits last year. Looked like maybe he was in like his slowing down phase. I mean the line. The offensive line is question marks now. I don't know. I mean, the Panthers, I would still say the Panthers have the best weapons, even though it's actually close with the Saints if Michael Thomas is healthy. I, feel like I think Panthers is most desperate team is absolutely they are. With yeah, like, not even know, Tepper not getting success early. The yeah. very fumbled Darnell move. Plus, we know rules on probably his last leg. I mean, obviously on his last legs. Really, desperate if they don't get play. Watson, he's got to have like a five percent chance of coaching there next year. Oh yeah, yeah. They have no. Back. They have no outs to hit to success after that. So yeah. So we talked about Deshaun Watson creating collateral damage. Uh, maybe the, the Browns and Baker Mayfield were already going to break up before this, but that seems over. Another situation that like has Deshaun Watson has to sign somewhere first before this domino can fall. But Baker Mayfield moving on from the Browns most likely. It seems like the two most likely destinations will be the Seahawks and Colts. Do either of us, do any of us like like either one of those destinations? Or is there just kind of nothing to like it or there be anything to like about baker mayfield say with pete carroll and even if he's with like a good offensive coach and frank reich is there anything salvageable with baker mayfield like is there will there be any positivity at all about a baker mayfield move to the seahawks or the colts from any any of you three Uh, for fantasy i mean i would prefer he go to the colts than the seahawks i i i just think you know, they, the, the Seahawks would do what they've always dreamed of doing, which is never passing uh, if if Baker Mayfield were under center for for Seattle. But, you know, the, the, the Colts, I think I think could could manage him to an extent. I, I, I talked about the injuries earlier, but, you know, you can't discount that in Baker Mayfield's 2021 struggles like he he couldn't throw the ball. Like, you know, and, and you and you saw it, you know, you didn't have to be a, a tape grinder to to realize the guy was struggling mightily to to throw the ball beyond you know five or ten yards, and uh, if he doesn't if he, throw to receivers really, which is kind yeah, of weird, I mean, if, and, and not that not that he was stellar in in twenty twenty, but he was way better, way more efficient, way less mistake prone, and I think if the Colts, if Frank Wright can coax that out of of Baker Mayfield, which I I think maybe he can, uh, then then the Colts can maintain you know, some relevance, uh, some, some, some playoff potential with, you know, because they have some good pieces there and also they're not in a, in a great division. 
Yeah, I mean, the Colts I, were one, like, week 18 implosion away from making the playoffs. Not that they would have been a great contender, because having Carson Wentz going up against, you know, your Josh Allens, Mahomes, Burroughs, you're not going to be a great contender. You're probably not going to the Super Bowl. But they were one game away against the Jaguars, of all teams, they couldn't win, of making the playoffs, and Carson Wentz imploded regularly and had a poor game versus the Jaguars. If Baker Mayfield, who, if I remember all of the reporting, I'm sure some of this kind of got lost in the way, was, like, multiple dislocations, a fracture, torn labrum, and then he was listening. This is on the injury report with like knee, groin, and one other issue. I don't remember what it was. All of these different things. Face. Like he clearly should not have been out on the football field towards the end of last year. And I don't think it's like it's giving, you know, I don't think it's being too kind to him to say that like that made him a worse quarterback by a wide margin. He was like had upside as a rookie, both coming into the league as like clearly an analytical darling prospect. He was the one true analytics God. And then, and then like scouting guys actually sort of agreed because the Browns weren't full analytics at that point. There are some quotes from the management at the time that said, you know, we're still not, you know, <laughs> some disparaging quotes against nerds saying they were still trusting their eyes essentially. And so we had sort of a, a marriage of both sides coming together on him. And then I believe he set the uh, touchdown record as a rookie as well. Cause not a ton of rookies get a ton of touchdowns. Then he kind of goes off the rails and finishes very much off the rails, but there was something to salvage in there. Even if I don't like, he's probably never going to be an elite quarterback. We we've sailed on that ship, but can he be better than Carson Wentz was last year to a meaningful degree? I think so. And they're set up in a very similar way. A team with a great offensive line, a great running back, or in the Browns case, a great running back tandem to sort of hide the quarterback and then sort of just the receivers that are necessary. Not good receivers, but not complete death at receiver. That's exactly the setup the Browns tried to make work. And they did two years ago. They just couldn't make it work last year. I'm not like, especially for fantasy, he seems like the type of quarterback that when we're generous, we say better for real life because he gets wins on the board at his best and i don't know if we get his best i think that's possible i don't think i'm completely out on wentz or uh well he's actually oh so God. similar to wentz it's unreal i was but, gonna say they, they spider-man meme kind of with I mean, each other. when when denny was talking he's like i don't see why they can't salvage this once highly respected quarterback in indianapolis <laughs> i was like i can't believe i'm about to go say what i'm about to say i'm into the baker mayfield to the cults i i agree mm, uh with a lot of points into i'm like I think they're they're a playoff team. He's an upgrade over Wentz. Like, it's going to be good for Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be good for Michael Pittman if he goes there. To Denny's point about the efficiency, looking back at 2020, he was 11th in EPA per play behind Phillip Rivers, uh, who was eighth that year. I mean, these guys got Phillip Rivers to eighth. Like, they don't need to have some superstar. You know, they can they can get good offensive play. Uh, Kirk Cousins was ninth. Derek Carr was tenth in 2020. So they. It's not actually that high of a bar to have Baker Mayfield get to, you know, competent quarterback play. I think they can do that. And Baker Mayfield was also 11th in CPOE that year. So, you know, it wasn't all just kind of the Browns scheme. And, you know, speaking of scheme, I think the Colts did a pretty decent job with Wentz last year. They hid him more down the stretch where they actually started going run heavy, but they were balanced for a long stretch of the season where they were passing at a decent rate on first and 10. They weren't going like kind of the full Pete Carroll method where you're you're truly hiding your quarterback and you're putting him in tough passing situations because you don't want to pass as much as humanly possible. So I think the Colts, if they have Mayfield, will use him. They're not going to like put it all on him, but they'll they'll set him up in enough positive situations to where he can have success and help keep the offense going. But then they'll also be using Jonathan Taylor extensively. I think if he goes to Seattle – he's going to end up in a lot of third and eights, you know, third and sixes, and it's just going to be ugly. 
the one thing I'll say about the fit with the Colts is that I just feel like we've already seen it because as you guys laid out, it's very similar to the setup with the 2020 Browns were really good offensive line, really good run game, a kind of questionable passing game weapons, a good coaching where I just like, don't know like if the ceiling could possibly go higher for either the Colts or for Baker Mayfield and that setup. But yeah, I would like it both teams, at least the Seahawks or the Colts, would be run focused teams. I think we would all agree Baker Mayfield needs to go because he's not I, I, an instant offense creator. What is it, Denny? You, you, <laughs> can you can he beat out Drew Locke? Is that what you're going to say? Uh, I, I'm I'm guessing yes. But uh, with with Mayfield to the Colts, I'm I'm growing on this idea as as we as we speak. You, you talked about the I, I've seen this before and and I know the ceiling. Well, the Browns were like a two plays, maybe one play away from reaching the AFC title game two years ago. Mm-hmm after beating the Steelers in the first round, I think Jim Irsay would sell his soul for to, to get to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, would sell that the, private jet who is standing in front of at the end of the season for, right. for a good quarterback. I, I think he'd be thrilled, thrilled to get to the uh, divisional round or, or, or the, the AFC title game. So uh, yeah. And, and t- just uh, emphasizing uh, Corrine's point on 2020 for Baker Mayfield and his efficiency I mean, he had uh, the same success rate as as Kirk Cousins that year. Uh, his success rate was was uh, higher than Russell Wilson and Drew Brees uh, and Tom Brady for one. So I I just I think that there is some there is something to uh, the the Colts being able to manage Mayfield. I couldn't overcome Chad Henney hero ball in that divisional round loss to the Chiefs, where yeah. Chad Henney put the team on his back but enough about (laughs) quarterbacks where we have rewriting history yeah where we have nothing really even to go on with deshaun watson and baker mayfield still we'll flip gears to dawson knox has emerged as a fantasy manager favorite because because of his you know his penchant for big plays and touchdowns but the bills seemed adamant all along about adding a compliment and they have done so in oj howard although howard's deal it's for only one year and three and a half million is this enough to scare us off Knox and this loaded offense crane? And like, or is it actually a good sign that they added like a role player in OJ Howard and maybe someone that won't actually like steal a lot of important snaps? How do you think the OJ Howard signing is going to affect Dawson Knox for 2022? I think it's super, super bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Dawson, <laughs> Dawson Knox was not efficient last year. He had 1.2 yards per route run. He had 1.04 the year before, 1.1 the year before that. So, like, nothing really changed last year except he just ran an enormous amount of routes. He had 573 routes last year. That was up from 341 the year before. Route rate is kind of – normally it's not the key to success at tight end, but occasionally we get these guys who are running, like, 85% route rates at the tight end position. It's not common, and – Thomas was basically Logan Thomas from the year before, or Knox was basically Logan Thomas from 2020. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can, if that situation changes, it's, it's a real problem because you're not getting efficiency on those routes. You're just out there all the time as a receiver, which there are very few tight ends who have that role. So Howard has been very efficient at times. Uh, He never really got used as a receiver the way we wanted, but he has a career 1.61 yards per route run. I think he's, Probably a better receiver than Knox if they let him have that opportunity. They probably won't. But even if they just give him like a 30% route rate, that's really going to hurt Knox. I don't think he can get there on efficiency. 
It's also just not a good sign that they were clearly so eager to add competition. Like they they weren't. It wasn't somebody who were like yeah, Dawson Knox is going to have an even bigger role this year, folks. And you know, I also feel like it's not just OJ Howard. It's also Gabriel Davis. Like how big, big red zone threat. A guy who uh, you may you may have heard made some big plays in the playoffs. So it seems like maybe that we saw like the ceiling for Dawson Knox last year. And yeah, there's not another step to take or, and there might even be big time regression coming. Uh, Buffalo did use two tight ends way, way more frequently in the final weeks of the season and into the postseason than they did early on. That was part, part of how they were beating the, that, that uh, too high safety defensive approach by all their opponents. So, uh, and, and they were, you know, establishing a little bit at least uh, with, with that two tight end approach. So, uh, uh, Joe Buscaglia from the Athletic, uh, you know, talked about two I mean, two weeks ago, maybe ten days ago, uh, wrote a piece about how the the team wants to continue in that direction. So so expect them to sign some uh, tight end. I, I think it could could have been way worse for Dawson Knox if if Tom Brady hadn't come back. The Bills might have signed Gronk, and Gronk would have been the primary pass catching well, yeah. tight end. That would have been a, a massive problem for for Knox. So. Uh, yeah, it's not great for Knox, but I do think we are he's still going to be out there uh, a good amount and r- running a, a good amount of routes. Let's just go around the horn. Is Dawson Knox going to be a wide receiver one in 2022, Patrick Crane? Uh, no, but he also won't be a tight end one. Oh. <laughs> good. Important distinction. Uh, Denny, will he be a top 12 tight end? Will he be top 12 by average points in PPR leagues, Denny? Dawson Knox, go. Uh, yes, uh, because uh, anybody can do that. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say no when you added the caveat to this average points. If it's total points, the guy stays healthy and keeps running them routes and gets there. Average points, some guys will play like twelve games and get ahead of him because, as then he said, not that hard to reach the twelve mark. So it sounds like we're all shopping Dawson Knox in our dynasty leagues. This is kind of sad. It's a, just, it's a real real buyer's market if you want him. He's still <laughs> young. He was really good last year. I mean, he was really good in that he was like really fancy and that he made big plays. He was really present. Yeah, he was he was very present for the Buffalo Bills last year. And speaking of the Buffalo Bills, I mean, we all scoffed at this idea, but Kyle apparently wants to talk about defense, quote unquote, and talk about the Bills giving Von Miller what is Going out as a six-year, $120 million deal, as Kyle pointed out in our Slack chat, that's uh, probably inflated. But Kyle, what are your thoughts on Von Miller to the Bills? Yeah, so I've been uh, you know, watching Twitter because logged on, can't not log can't on, log even on the show, can't. And, and supposedly it's looking like realistically a three-year north of $50 million deal. Still nuts. And he is the only defensive player to sign $200 million contracts in the wow. lifetime of his career. Not surprising. He's still playing at a really high level. Picked up, I think, five sacks in eight games with the Rams after he was traded. Then four sacks in four playoff games. I mean, the Bills had like the best defense by EPA per play, by points allowed, and it wasn't that close. They were easily the best defense in the league last year. And now they add one of the best pass rushes in the league. This is just a testament to the insane arms race. The AFC specifically is going through. Seeing what the Chargers are doing, what the Broncos are doing, what now the Bills are doing is absolutely nuts. And I like, obviously it makes sense. If you can find the financial means to bring in a Von Miller, absolutely do it. But it makes even more sense for these top teams to push all in right now because they all have like, all of the best young quarterbacks are all in the AFC. It's insane. I just think, I think it's not a, not an original opinion. It just kind of feels like 2022 is shaping up as the year of the Bills because we all saw with our own eyes how close 
they were in 2021. You kind of think maybe the AFC West was cannibalized itself, or the AFC West, I think, like as a measure of division strength, like the, the AFC West might have like the best first place team in the AFC, except for maybe the Bills could challenge. They'll probably have the best second place team. They'll probably have the best third place team, and then they might even have the best fourth place team. Totally, and just a totally insane division that they could like really you know the beating up on themselves principle and it's the bills this might be the best overall roster even with how loaded all those afc west rosters are the bills they're just like say the defense is like they have the defensive minded head coach which so they have like the best of both worlds where they have like the superstar quarterback who's like his own offensive system basically and then they have the head coach who you, you generally want an offensive mastermind like when you have a defensive mastermind who's like really really good like that's as big of a weapon. I feel like they have that in Sean McDermott. And it just, it does feel like, man, the bills are now like a, a free agent destination, like wild world out here, folks. Uh, by the way, the bills had pro football Focus's 10th highest graded pass rush last year. So, you know, we could be looking at top, top three, you know, unit for this year. Yeah. And they were a bit overrated by the EPA uh, last year. I thought because they had such an easy schedule. But, you know, this Von Miller sign is going to help them maybe even be a, a more legitimate defense at Denny's point. And they also play the Jets again twice this year. You know, they're, they're going to have a much easier schedule than the AFC West counterparts for sure. So I called Buffalo a free agent destination. That is true for everyone but one player, J.D. McKissick, who is now a legendary Buffalo turncoat, a Bills trader will be forever cursed by Bills Mafia and forever cursed by fantasy managers because J.D. McKissick has spurned the Bills, returned to the commanders, quote-unquote, to ruin the Antonio Gibson party that was just getting started again in earnest on Tuesday. And so, Denny, we talked about this a lot on Tuesday. Is, is this like the sign to give up the Antonio Gibson ghost? Because like the reports were, so we, we had a blurb on the site yesterday but the Bills have apparently been clear, or excuse me, the Commanders have apparently made it clear they want to add an early down compliment to Antonio Gibson. Understandably, it looked like he wore down really badly last year, handling so many carries. And now they've brought back the third down compliment in J.D. McKissick. But there are just too many red flags here. Or is this going to become like a value opportunity where people are scared, and like looking for reasons to not draft Antonio Gibson? What is now the state of the Antonio Gibson? Yeah, I mean, it, it it hurts. Like we we outlined on the Tuesday podcast, uh, Antonio's Gibson, Antonio Gibson's pass Antonio's route. Gibson. Yes, that sounds like a restaurant. The um, you know, the, his pass routes and targets uh, spiked in the three late season games, and McKissick missed with the head injuries. So we're not gonna not gonna get that. Maybe we were never gonna get that though. You know, I mean, it's, it's March. There were still a lot of moves to be made. A lot of you know, we have the draft. We have. Uh, additions in the spring and summer. So uh, maybe we weren't going to get that, but it is, it's, it's looking fairly bleak for Gibson. I will say, I, I mentioned the stat and not, not really thinking, I mentioned a stat that the commanders last year uh, targeted running backs at the fourth highest rate in the league. Um, I forgot that Carson Wentz had signed uh, with them. And I, I actually looked up some, uh, some numbers before the the podcast, like you do. Um, so here's, here's the Wait, thing. about. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is what what you got to do. So, uh, uh, Eagles fans and Colts fans told me uh, ad nauseum on Twitter, Carson Wentz doesn't throw to running backs. And I so I I, I, got, I looked it up, and I can confirm these reports. Uh, Wentz has targeted running backs on about nine percent of his pass attempts 
over his six NFL seasons. Uh, the, the caveat is last year in Indianapolis, uh, the Colts last season targeted running backs on 22.7% of their pass attempts. That's the fifth highest rate in the league. That led to 51 targets for Jonathan Taylor and 57 targets for Naheem Hines. So, I, you know, it, uh, screen passes, running back uh, yeah. dump offs. Is that his quarterback stat? Is it a team stat? Is it a system stat? Uh, the, you know, Carson Wentz's history is not great with with dumping the ball off. So maybe McKissick doesn't have even a little bit of luster this year back in Washington. Yeah, I think the screens, you know, that can definitely be a way to boost it, even if you have Wentz. But I, the Colts ran a, a lot of running back screens. So I don't know that, you know, right. you're going to see more of that in Washington. I think that McKissick probably saved us from ourselves with Gibson because, <laughs> you know, this offense is not going to be one that we're going to want to be invested in. It's like one of those things where it's like week four and you're like, I just bet my whole team on the Washington Commanders, <laughs> the, the second round pick, you know, because Antonio There's Gibson was going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Gibson was going to be expensive once we got, you know, all the projections. It's like they they dropped uh, a, a running back in the fourth round to help spell him on early downs. There's no passing get down guy. The projections were going to love him, but I don't know that it would have worked out. I was when I wrote up him in the free agent tracker. I was pointing out that he hasn't really been a very good receiving back. He hasn't been bad, but he's been kind of on like the Josh Jacobs, Alexander Madison type of spectrum. He's behind Jonathan Taylor's, behind Javante Williams. He is a former receiver in college, but not a heavily used one. And it so far he hasn't flashed elite receiving ability. So. I think that we were probably going to get a little overly excited about him this year as we did last year. And McKissick probably makes the whole thing a bit more realistic. So I don't know if anyone's ever thought about this, but you know, there are always these like Reddit conspiracy theories that the NFL is scripted. And I would say those aren't likely, right? But if they were, it would appear as though M night Shyamalan has taken the wheel because Newsday sports, Tom's rock has now tweeted, which was retweeted by Adam Schefter. Oh, that, he tweeted. It's a joke though. Oh, I wanted it to happen so bad. I know. Sorry to cut you off there, but yeah, there was a, a tweet that J.D. McKissick had oh, changed his mind again, maybe. Potential. And, uh, yeah. And so sorry to ruin your big reveal there. It. But uh, I guess the NFL's real again. It's real. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's real. It's all too real, as uh, many, many fans can attest. But so it's uh, let's just go around the horn again. Another around the horn question. Would you use a third round pick? Patrick Crane on Antonio Gibson. I'm going to guess the answer no. might start with the letter N. Okay. Um, Denny, third round pick on Antonio Gibson. Mm, oh, man. Wait, we're all out on completely on a third round pick? On well, I mean, are you in? I mean, we, we were getting I, I, Josh Jacobs last year for like a, a fifth round pick. Yeah. Were we? That doesn't sound yeah. real. Oh, yeah. I don't know we were. I guess it's scripted. I'd be... I'd be interested, you know. It's March. I don't. I'm sorry. It's hard to take. You know, I'm it's not mid mid March. Come on, it's mid March is more than you're running over. back. Let's go. March is more than halfway <laughs> over. Kyle, I mean, I'm assuming you'd uh, not do it. You wouldn't use a third round pick on Antonio Gibson. I don't think so. I, I think at that point, if you're taking that, like last year, if you were taking the Gibson style of back, why wouldn't you just take in DeAndre Swift, or Miles Sanders, or David Montgomery? I think we love Gibson so much because we really have this like uh, fanciful, idealized, well, he, he played the wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. But like, 
the NFL has shown us that they don't care. Like that was the thing with Josh Jacobs, right? Was that uh, like Josh Jacobs was really, he was a committee pass catching back in college. The NFL said, we don't care. We're going to use him like a running back, a uh, two down banger. So if the NFL is going to keep telling us that he is the two down back, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get too excited to bet on him finally becoming the three down back. As Corrine noted on a Washington commander's offense led by Carson Wentz that no one is excited for. I think he's also telling us too, it, not that he's, can't be a three down back, but he's not going to force the issue. He's a, he's like Josh Jacobs. I think he's capable if they, you know, Josh Jacobs was quite good as a receiver last year. Like you're like, why don't they do this all the time? But you know, cause they're crazy. That's unfortunate. Commanders, That's unfortunate. by the way, you have to remake like their entire offensive line. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem like a good situation for Antonio Gibson. Our, our, our friend, Carson Wentz, our dear, dear friend. Carson Wentz, who we all by the way, so you were mentioning Carson Wentz, Denny doesn't throw to running backs. It wasn't it also a meme that he doesn't throw to receivers. Like, who, who does he throw to? Exactly? <laughs> he, he, only throws, he only throws to tight end. I, I I was looking at all his targets over his career, and it's like you know, 35, 47, 52, and then you get to Dallas Goddard, it's like 175. You get to Zach Ertz, it's like 488. Like I mean, yeah, he only throws to tight ends. So Logan Thomas isn't or Travis so, Logan. Do you guys think this is why Jack Doyle retired? <laughs> oh, well, wow! We, we should consider it. We weren't ready for the big questions, Pat. <laughs> Did Mo Ali Cox know they didn't have Carson Wentz when he resigned? That's another big question we have to tackle. Well, they had to they had to pay him a lot of money to come back. <laughs> do you guys know he used to play basketball? Oh, that's cool. I did never heard that. That's not something that comes up every time the Colts run Monday Night Football. <laughs> Where did where did he play basketball? I'm assuming whatever school he went to is on the first playing in the first four tonight on True TV, which is not owned by NBC. So don't watch it. Don't watch it. No, don't watch it. Julio Jones was cut after the Titans surrendered second. It was cut one year, excuse me, after the Titans surrendered second and fourth round picks for her services. Now he's 33 years old. He has appeared in just 19 games over the past two years. Kyle, I need to throw to you, but I'm going to throw to Crane. Because he said before the show that he was not over Julio Jones as a potential wide receiver three, and he has a positive case still to make for Julio Jones. So we're excited about a potential, like, I mean, of course, it will depend on where he signs, but you still have 2022 optimism for Julio Jones, Crane? Question mark. Yeah, I still have optimism. I feel like if we were, if we would just like had our memories erased and then Julio Jones signed nice. with the Titans today, we'd be like, gross. No, we don't like that. That's a bad fit. Guess what? He's not going to play for the Titans. He's going to play somewhere better than the Titans. Titans didn't seem to like him at all. No. And last year, 1.84 yards per out run, not bad. That's pretty solid. And he's coming off a year, the year before, he had 2.6 yards per out run. He was awesome in 2020, 2.44 in 2019. I mean, he struggled last year on a new team, but really it's it, can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I think we, we're going to get, you know, pretty solid level of production out of Julio Jones and potentially in a much better situation than he was going to be in. So, like, I feel better about Julio Jones than I did you know, a couple hours ago. And if this is going to make people, like, feel like Julio Jones is going to start for a team. Like, I feel confident about that. And it's probably going to be a better situation than what he was just in. So, I view this as bullish and I, I was drafting Julio Jones before this news for, you know, just so you know where my head's at, but uh, <laughs> so I was already in, but I, I'm still in. 
Something I've already fantasized about a few times today is Julio Jones replacing AJ Green in Arizona. Would that would that be enough yeah. for you, Kareem? I would love that. I mean, I think he's got way more in the tank than AJ Green does. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I was looking at Julio's uh, uh, yards per reception is 14 last year, which is not that far below his career rate of 15.1. And it's in line with like his 2019 uh, numbers where in 2019 uh, he caught 99 balls on 157 targets. I do. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of staying healthy. You just wonder if his legs are going, he would yeah. not be the first like big receiver right. whose lower half just fails him in these, an early thirties. These, these enormous receivers just, breakdown the lower and, half you know, seems to go we saw right. it we saw it to an extent with calvin johnson we saw it big time with brandon marshall uh you know it, aj it, green i mean he's AJ, not as big as des bryant yeah. a, aj green fell off the face of the planet just suddenly you know and and uh and it would never never got back so yeah i i do i'm i'm skeptical that he can he can play like more than a handful of games a season but you're still drafting him in the sixth round, then of blindly, course. right? Yeah, I even. I mean, he's. he's you can get him in like the the twelfth round. It's yeah. It's I was gonna close. say. So, what is his best ball ADP? Yeah. Is it like the twelfth? It's incredible. Right. Yeah. If 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 you if you eleven twelfth round something like that, I yeah. I think that it, that's an auto click. Yeah, because it is a thing. Like if he stays healthy, it's an auto twelve hundred yards. I mean, in his prime, he was auto fourteen hundred yards when he played fourteen or fifteen games per year. So if he can, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy, like aging NFL player, to like you know, changes conditioning, figure out a way to stay on the field. So it would not be impossible, but yeah, I mean, the fact too, that it's not, I don't know if we should be more worried that it's one injury or I don't know if it'd be more worrisome if it were multiple injuries or the fact that it's just been the one injury where he cannot get his hamstring healthy. Like I would almost be more comforted if it was just like random mm-hmm. body parts and you're like, well, maybe it's just like every time it's a fluke, but the fact that it's like his hamstring every time, right. I guess the fact that it's one body part though too, they could like, hone in on and isolate and come up with like a custom training plan. But I mean, yeah. you, you know, I mean, you got to think the Titans were all over that. The Titans yeah. were like, if we could get <laughs> they this probably tried thing, these things, yeah. right? right. They didn't, maybe they didn't. I don't know. If they didn't, that was a, there was a huge oversight. They should have asked fantasy managers. How, you know, what, what's, what's the issue with Julio? We would have said, Hey, the hamstrings, man, get a hamstring uh, expert in here and massage this man's yeah. legs. Get a hamstring uh, expert. I don't know. <laughs> They're out oh, there. Uh, but They're highly paid. They make way more. Yeah. ton of money. my hamstring degree. Yeah. <laughs> Starting salary of 250 K for. Oh, oh please. Listen, uh, NFL teams would be paying, you know, paying hundreds. Of yeah, I got to get in the hamstring business. It's for, for very lucrative. Come in. The, the hamstring doctor just has the exact same incentives as Julio Jones. Like his incentives are just oh. Julio Jones. Meeting his incentives. <laughs> I will say, although I do think like the Titans were uh, maybe not the best landing spot run first Titans with already target hog. AJ Brown was great for Julio Jones, but they don't gain a ton by cutting him. Like there is, it is good probably that he moves on from the team, but it is a very big indictment of Julio Jones that they move on from him after one year without gaining much. They had to designate him post June 1st cut to save 9.5 million. That 9.5 million doesn't really mean a lot because they cannot spend it in free agency. That's how the post June 1st cut works. Spreads out the dead cap over like two years, you know, the next two years. And you don't get to spend that just like, it's probably just signed their, you know, their draft picks or whatever. So they didn't gain a lot. They really just gave up on him. Cut bait right away, not to salvage a lot from cutting him, though I think he could find a much better landing spot. They are telling us something through their actions. Seemed personal because it's like a need for them still, unless they love like Nick Westbrook. Yeah, also it is a very big need for them. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree with that. There's, There's clearly something going on 
like behind the scenes in that way. But this isn't like a, a young receiver who we have like character question marks about. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is a guy we're we're pretty confident, you know, is going to land land somewhere else and, and he'll be fine. One other note about just him statistically, his A dot last year was twelve point oh. That's a bit lower than we've seen from him usually, but he was at twelve point seven in twenty twenty. And so again, not really seeing like a major role change. He was basically Julio Jones when he was out there, but you know, dealing with the injuries and clearly uh, not vibing with his his team in twenty. He was not vibing. I say maybe it could be a Mike Vrabel thing. I, I don't know. You got a celeb sighting, but I this is actually a true story. I shared an elevator in Los Angeles with Mike Vrabel for like seventy floors. Danny and I's hotel was seventy floors, and uh, he was very glum. Mike Vrabel. And probably because he knew he was in the elevator with a fantasy nerd. But, but uh seemed yeah, like a glum he, guy. So I'm just was, projecting that onto he just must be a glum fellow. Um, he was dressed like a 22-year-old uh, college student, though. He was. I mean, we didn't need to share that part. But yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't just like some stoner kid? At the, no, yeah, it was unmistakably. Like random big, big white team. Unmistakably. <laughs> the guy looks like he still plays in the NFL, by the way. He, Mike yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. He's in incredible shape. He was like an extraordinary. I mean, like quite clearly would just like snap me like a twig, like instantly. Yeah. Like if I had said the word like sir fantasy football, he would have all the good football shows. Like, what do you think Julio Jones' target share is gonna be next year? <laughs> Are you the reason he got cut? Yeah, you know what? I realized why he was glum too. The the hotel we were in had a very confusing elevator. Um and the, the true story, I helped multiple NFL Hall of Famers operate this elevator. Um, so it was like it was very, very confusing. Are you sure you weren't just like a bellhop? <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> moonlighting is a bellhop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, Mike Evans was great at the elevator. By the way, he, he was. He knew how to. He knew he's how to a work zoomer, it. though. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. No, he's actually a millennial, I think. No, he's a millennial. Um, yeah. I, I will say, uh, yeah, I, uh, Mike Vrabel uh, punched me in the neck when I asked him about AJ Brown's Whopper. <laughs> uh, so, I so yeah, Mike Vrabel. I uh, wish that you had liked Julio Jones more, but. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Russell Wilson officially arrived in Denver, Colorado on Wednesday, and he did his Russell Wilson thing. He thanked every human being known to man and then talked of his extreme excitement to be a Denver Bronco. We know he has some wide receiver talent to play with. That was also the case, though, in Seattle. So it's not like the supporting cast was really a problem in Seattle, Kyle, but we're excited about his supporting cast in Denver. And I just want to know, like, how do we see like this playing out with the Broncos receivers and like ADP? Who do we think is going to have the higher ADP? And Kyle, just like which Broncos wide receiver do you think you'll be prioritizing this offseason? So it's interesting. Hackett was like the one thing that wasn't very fun about Hackett's offense in Green Bay was that super slow. Pat, you've noticed this before. They're like 
continually the slowest team in the league, but they did a lot of smart things when they were actually doing the plays they were calling, right? They were using a ton of play action, good amount of RPO, and going deep a ton. You go deep when you have Rodgers, but guess who also can throw the most beautiful deep balls you've ever seen? Russell Wilson. I think, like, I think really we're going to get more steam on Jerry Judy than we will Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton, like, if one of these guys were DK Metcalf, I would say it'd probably be Cortland Sutton playing that boundary role lot, like a both high target share and high A dot type of guy who can really just beat opponents deep consistently. Hackett did that with Rodgers. Russell Wilson, when they let him throw, was doing that really with both those receivers, but DK Metcalf all the time. I think because of price, but also maybe a little bit of fit, you know, that's part of the argument I'm making. I would say I'd probably be more on a Cortland Sutton. I do think there's a team that is just super volatile in a good way for fantasy, where like you'd want to stack up, you know, a Russell Wilson, even Javante plus Cortland Sutton and like throwing Hamler Alberto. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if price gets out of hand on Judy, which I kind of expected to, I think once we're into August, Judy's going to be like an early third round pick. I just think he's just, there's very few people that are going to kind of like get up and say, we're not doing this. We're not drafting Jerry Judy. <laughs> we don't have that be... kind of restraint. We saw it with CD. No, we don't have we cannot do we don't. it. We don't have we're, there's either going to be people who are very in on Judy or people who are fine with drafting Judy. I think there's will be a, a handful of people against it, but not enough to move the needle. So Crane, not to interrupt. We, we didn't even have that restraint with, with Judy himself last year when it was right. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> so, um. Yeah. And I think with Sutton, you're going to have, you just don't feel as good drafting Sutton because you have the question mark about, you know, him not playing that well last year, only 1.43 yards per outrun coming off the ACL tear. Uh, we haven't seen him be awesome since 2019. He was awesome in 2019, 2.08 yards per out run. In a not very good situation, to Kyle's point, he is kind of that DK Metcalf style guy. He isn't DK Metcalf, but 6'3", 218, you know, he could play that that bigger wide receiver role with Russ. Uh, I'm more excited about Judy. I think Judy probably has – he's kind of – he feels like the ascending player. I don't know that Sutton's going to get back to the heights that we had previously, but the the bigger that ADP discount gets, the more I'm going to like Sutton. As it stands right now, I, I kind of feel like it's time to draft Judy because if if my theory is right that Judy's just going to get more and more expensive over time, I'd like to get uh, my exposure now. It, wouldn't you say that uh, Sutton, if healthy, fully healthy, fits the profile of like the kind of receiver that has been successful with Russell Wilson? I mean, Wilson has struggled at times, uh, you know, thoroughly struggled with intermediate throws. I, I, I wonder. You're not how, as bad. Right. And, and, and he throws a great, a fantastic deep ball and is a very uh, aggressive downfield thrower. So I feel like that fits Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, better than, well, better than Judy. Judy had a 14.6 ADOT as a rookie. And I think he can be, you know, used as a, as a downfield guy. He wasn't great in that role. 1.66 yards per hour in that year. Wasn't, wasn't bad though. Wasn't, wasn't ideal. It, it shrunk to 10.8 his dot last year, but he's playing with Teddy Bridgewater. So right. I agree that, you know, Russ is better downfield, but I think, you know, you could kind of think of Judy as the locket uh, in the offense where he's getting some intermediate say, stuff. He's getting some deep stuff. Right. To me, he almost feels like it, he's probably, he would have to have a really good NFL career to be better than Tyler Lockett. Like at least in terms of his upside, he almost feels like he could be like the weaponized, like Tyler Lockett to me, where like, he's like on paper, like everything about his profile is like Tyler Lockett, like, but better. Again, that's not the most likely outcome because Tyler Lockett's been a very, very good NFL player. But right. I feel like that is within Jerry Judy's range of outcomes to like be a better Tyler Lockett, a guy 
who can do damage both like in the slot, but also down the field. That was kind of his profile coming out of Alabama. I think he's flashed enough at the NFL level where we can still consider that in play. Yeah, I, I'm probably overthinking it. Sorry, Pat, but I'm probably overthinking it with Cortland Sutton and fitting the profile of a good Wilson receiver. I mean, uh, Jerry Judy is probably really good. So I, I think, I think we'll just, we'll just run with that. To the point of, of him playing in the slot. Um, he was in the slot, Jerry Judy, on 76% of snaps last year, but he played out wide on 67% of snaps as a rookie. So we've already seen the versatility with Jerry Judy. Again, we haven't seen him really deliver in terms of the efficiency, but the quarterback situation, as we know, has been not good in Denver. So I think that you know Judy definitely has that really exciting profile where it's like they can do everything with him. They can move him inside, outside. He can be used in the intermediate, he can use shallow, he can be used deep. I want Sutton, but I just, I, I do prefer him at a discount. I think Sutton though has like really explosive upside where he's not like, he's not really like DK Metcalf. To me, he's more like a bigger DeAndre Hopkins in some ways. Mm. Not that he'll be that good, but that was what he was like amazing at. It was like sideline domination, kind of like winning hand fights. You know, like Russell Wilson is willing to pull the trigger on those mm -hmm. kinds of throws. So that explosive upside is still there. For Cortland Sutton, but yeah, it was concerning. I mean, it's he was with a quarterback who was infamous for not going down the field, and he's coming off the torn ACL. But it was it was an unusually bad like post injury season. The sports medicine has gotten so good in the NFL that we don't really see like these year long struggles from post injured players anymore. And Cortland Sutton just was like not good. You know, they were giving prioritizing targets for Tim Patrick over Cortland Sutton last year. So there's real red flags, but like also like hugely explosive upside with Cortland Sutton. And uh, okay, I mean, uh, well, do you think? I, do you guys agree that you think Sutton will get, uh, will that Judy will get more hyped than Sutton, or do you think 100%. that maybe yeah, Sutton is the I guy who gets hyped? Okay. No, I mean they'll both be hyped, but yeah, like like I said, we couldn't contain ourselves when it was Teddy Bridgewater for Jerry Judy, and I just feel like we love Jerry Judy, and that that's going to be the case again. That everyone's going to be there. Could be like maybe a huge contrarian undercurrent for Cortland Sutton. Or maybe it becomes like 65, 35, 60, 40, Jerry Judy. But I do think the industry is going to prefer Jerry Judy. Uh, we have uh, breaking news here. Tyler Conklin has signed with the Jets. So we can neither use Conklin nor CJ Uzama. I, I, I don't take any pleasure in reporting this. I legitimately didn't know what the joke that is. We have podcast listeners. We have legitimate podcast listeners who aren't seeing this live on YouTube. And I too didn't realize what was happening until I realized that we had put uh, Pat Darty to sleep. I don't know if, you know, it could have been any of us because that was a we real professional snore. I was impressed with you. That was <laughs> like, uh, you know, animated movie type of actor, voice actor stuff for a good. You could snore. do voice acting specifically for snores. Well, I'm sure that's great. Uh, yeah. Maybe I <laughs> that pays well. You know, I mean, or maybe I need to go get like tested for sleep apnea now. Or something. I, too I, good at it. I was like, "What the hell is that noise?" Who, who so was I. I thought Shut a dog up. was laying on the microphone. <laughs> no, yeah, I was snoring. Um, even it, though I like Tyler Denny, Conklin, though. I do leave like Tyler. Denny, though. We're like talking about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton plus Russell Wilson. That is so interesting, right? What a, a great duo! And then I have in our private chat, where you know, just making sure we're keeping up with the news. Uh, you know, I, I the link to the tweet. Honestly, don't care if we talk about this. Denny comes in. <laughs> Bang. With the over-the-head, chair-over-the-head, WWE-style Tyler Conklin to the Jets. Jets. What do we think? Okay, we can't talk about this for five minutes, but, Denny, are you going to prioritize CJ Uzama or Tyler Conklin? Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate 
I hate that question so much. Uh, Uzama, because he's funny and he's a good guy. Really? Did we meet him? That's the analytics. No, he's he's fun. He's uh, you you don't you don't know you don't you haven't seen his press conferences. He's the most media friendly NFL player in the league. I'm not really watching many CJ Ozama press conferences. Are, are you on? Are you online? Yeah. Then you've seen CJ CJ Ozama uh, yuck it up with the reporters. Wow. They they love they love the guy. All right. Well, listen, I think Tyler Conklin is a man bun though, so I like that about him. Yeah, it's Kyle's. We stand together. That one. Yeah. Now in New York, I mean, he's probably gonna be in Brooklyn. I'll see. It's true. He's moving to what? Uh, what part of Brooklyn do you live in again? I forget. Uh, Fort Green. What's yeah, your address, by the way? On the on, on <laughs> air. Well, I'll, I'll just put it up here so that people can uh, write it down. Tyler Conklin, Bushwick is probably like too Zoomer for him. He'll probably move to Williamsburg, get an expensive apartment in Williamsburg with the man bun. I could totally uh, see that. Tyler Conklin, by the way, Evan Silva's favorite human. Um, I don't know if any people, the people out there know that. He's had him in our dynasty league since like 2004. Um, so yeah, he's Evan, Evan Silva's favorite human. Yeah. Con- Conklin was, was fine when he yeah, was solid. You know. He was good, actually. So I don't know why I did use the snoring gag on him. I actually do like him. Well, it hurts that he's the second tight end they've signed this offseason <laughs> yeah. coming from one of the worst quarterback rookie seasons we've ever seen. If he signed as the starting tight end, you know, Gronk doesn't come back and he start, signs as the starting tight end for the Bucks. We're like, Gronk was pretty good. Now he gets joined, you know, the Bucks. He doesn't join the Bucks. He joins the worst quarterback we saw last year, arguably, and is not even their number one tight end. So, yeah, look, and I, I want to point out Sean Wash, Washko in our chat says Uzama is unobtainable in my points per beat reporter chuckle league and yeah in those in those formats look you got to know your league in those formats you're you're hammering you gotta know your league by the way we had another interesting comment in the chat from craig martin who there is going to be kj hamler hype we didn't even mention oh yeah there's definitely gonna be kj hamler hype there's also gonna be tim patrick hype i was on with uh josh and hayden and i put i I had russell wilson in uh in in the draft we don't talk about yeah And, yeah, sorry, sorry for bringing them up. <laughs> but uh, I put Tim Patrick in the queue because I had Russell Wilson drafted in one of those Superflex leagues, and uh, forgot he was in the queue. Accidentally drafted him when I when I wanted to take Traylon Burks. It was only like thirty spots ahead of AEP. People are drafting Tim Patrick pretty high, so I think you're going to see hype on everyone. Albert O has moved way. Up. Albert O is going to be like to the moon in ADP, and I love Albert O as a Mizzou fan. But I, the, the next time he stays healthy will be the first time he stays healthy. Basically, is all I'll say on Albert O. Um, has a long and concerning injury history. Um, I believe someone earlier in the show used the word vibe or vibing. Someone said vibing. Yeah. Probably you. No, it wasn't me actually. No, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it now. We're just we, we need a, a, a Terrace Marshall vibe check after mm. the Carolina Panthers signed Rashad Higgins. Uh, Terrace Marshall. I don't know if you guys heard. He was down bad in 2021. Uh, we all loved him. By the end of the year, like Brandon Zilstra was like clearly ahead of him on the depth chart. And just where, where are we? Are we jumping ship on Terrace Marshall? I'll go with Mr. Dynasty Patrick Corain. I think you liked Terrace Marshall too, didn't you? Um, where did, are we at yeah. on Terrace Marshall? You know, I don't like to do the game log stuff too much, but let me just uh, read you a little game log here. <laughs> Week nine. Zero receptions. Week 10, zero receptions. Week 11, zero receptions. Week 14, zero receptions. Week 15, zero receptions. Those were all in a row. Those are, and he ran routes. He was out there. He had 18 routes, 10 routes, 9 routes, 18 routes, 
Is Six that routes. good or bad for his yards per route run? I'm not, I don't really, I'm not very versed in the stat. <laughs> it was really bad. He had 0.5 yards per route run. I mean, this is I feel like Denny can do that. It, it's bad. It's a JJ Ortega Whiteside rookie season, is what he just had. Whoa. I mean, it's like one of those, like, you change, you you update the priors <laughs> after this. It's, it's, yeah, not it's only did they bring back Zilstra. But they also brought in Rashard Higgins, who played like wide receiver three or four for the Browns. Like it's clear that they're just trying to find other guys to play wide receiver three. Not that they want great guys to be their wide receiver three, but they know that it can't it can't be 0.5 yards per out run Terrace Marshall. And I, I shouldn't like I people have come back from bad rookie seasons, even terrible rookie seasons. Um, you know, we saw Devontae Adams climb out of a big, big hole. He wasn't this bad as a rookie, but you know, over the course of his first couple of years, he was not, not efficient. Yeah. So you, so guys, but I think, you know, with a start like Terrace Marshall had in the scenario where Terrace Marshall is like a very solid fantasy player, it's like four years from now. Like, I think he's got a lot of work to do to get to where he's actually a solid start. I mean, we just saw Zay Jones get a big contract. You know, we just saw Christian Kirk get a big contract, didn't have the best start to his career. You see these guys will surface Prashad Perriman resigned again today. So like maybe he could be someone down the line who like, ends up having a moment, but I don't think it's this year. Damn, that's bleak. Um, but And the team really, really wanted him to succeed. That's another thing is that, like, sometimes rookies are put in bad spots where the coaches don't really warm up to them, and they and they have to fight for every snap they get. That wasn't the case with Terrace Marshall. They, they The Panthers clearly wanted him to be – Yeah, they like, put him in position to succeed. Well, it's arguable that they put him in position to succeed since Sam Darnold was the quarterback. Yeah, but no, you're right. They put, put him, him out position there. to draw targets. Exactly. Yeah, they, they put, put him in position there. to get out there and get targets, which if he had gotten a lot of targets, it's kind of what we saw with Jerry Judy in his rookie year. Got a lot of targets, didn't do squat with him, but the ability to go out there and get targets means something, and the opposite of it also means something. So that's uh, not great. Not great. So we're all thinking of you, Terrace, and uh, really don't want this to be a sunk cost in the Dynasty League. So uh, yeah, maybe uh, this do something in 2022. Uh, we're all thinking of you. I don't even know. We're kind of running out of time here. I've got a few like questions. They all seem kind of dumb. Have we talked about um, Jarvis Landry? I mean, like, no, yeah. So these... talk, I was like, should we talk about Jarvis Landry? He can't be the only. Rec- First of all, he hasn't even signed or anything with the Falcons yet. Like, if, he wouldn't be the only addition. But, Kyle, tell us about Jarvis Landry and his potential fit with the Falcons. I mean, the potential fit is – I loved it. You had – was it Pat, was it you that wrote up Jarvis Landry visiting the Falcons? It was. Uh, infinite, infinite available <laughs> targets after <laughs> losing Ridley, losing Russell Gage. I mean, they I think they tendered Olamide Zacchaeus. But even, like, I think all top five of their wide receivers, obviously not kind of Kyle Pitts' wide receiver, all top five of their wide receivers were either suspended free agents or restricted free agents going into this offseason. They lost the best of them via suspension or via getting signed away by the Bucks. So yes, infinite available targets. But I don't think at this point in his career, Jarvis Landry is the player you want to funnel your entire offense through like you would a Michael Thomas a la like two years ago now. You want him to be the complement to when the boundary receiver who isn't open is double covered. That meant Jarvis Landry is open eight yards downfield, right? Because that's where he's going to be playing. You don't want him to be every single target. So although I think it's perfectly fine for a team to sign him, he would be stepping into a wide receiver one role that I just don't think he's fit for anymore. It would be a lot of good PPR volume for him, and you really can't say much else exciting about it. it uh, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit a little bit in on Jarvis Landry because he's not like a 100% slot guy. 
he can kind of do, um, you know, like a bit of half and half role. So kind of like Gage. Um, so last year, 59% of his snaps in the slot, 57 the year before that. And they do have the downfield wide receiver. His name's Kyle Pitts. That's the guy who should be stretching the defense. Yes, it's going to be coming from, you know, basically the slot a lot. But if you've got Jarvis Landry out wide running shallow routes and a guy stretching the seam, it's a weird offensive design. But, I mean, you know, you could stretch the defense with Kyle Pitts downfield. That's that's who he is. He's, he's basically DK Metcalf playing tight end. So, I don't know. I, I don't think it's, like, as bad of a, a spot as – I mean, essentially, I think he kind of is what you're saying, Kyle, is a secondary target. I also struggle to believe uh, after seeing what we saw from Arthur Smith last year that he can intelligently scheme to like, especially like a very specific player like Jarvis Landry in a effective role. I thought it was a, a very, uh, a rug pulling for those in the NFT streets. It was a very rug pulling moment to see Arthur Smith go out. And I thought put together a pretty disappointing game plan for having unique players, like really skilled, unique players in like pits, a, a, just like generational talent at tight end and Cordero Patterson being so efficient at this hybrid role. And then he ends up just giving him like box carries at the end of the year. So I think, I think in his defense, I think it's because he ran out of gas. Cordero. Yeah. And, and Pitts was a rookie. He had a really, really strong season for a rookie tight end, like an off the charts rookie tight end season. So I don't want to blame too much on Smith. He's in a tough spot. So Kyle, you're, you're just wrong, Kyle. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, it hey, wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last. <laughs> Landry, yeah, Landry could be what, what do you call it, Pat? Uh, Darty, what, what do you call it? Uh, a scam, the scam. He could be scam, the ultimate yeah. PPR scam. I'll say we, we were talking about big wide receivers wearing down, like Jarvis Landry's like a famously like tough player and played through, yeah, like so many injuries before the past years where he finally started missing time. And I just wonder if he's like in a running back situation where he's just wearing down, and and he. Look, Jarvis Landry, he, real football-wise, he would be way better as a complimentary piece in a good offense and a stat with established yeah, yeah, yeah. pass catchers. From a fantasy perspective, we have to remember that Jarvis Landry, despite seeming like he's 45 years old, he wants the damn ball. He like is. that, like he he wants it, and they will give it to him if there's nobody else there. I I feel like uh, it could be a target bonanza if he signed with Atlanta. But he's gonna be, if he's going to be a complimentary please, piece. Please make it on the Chiefs. I would like that fiddle yeah, on right, the Chiefs. Right. That would be really nice. And that's been heavily rumored. Um, so, yeah, Kyle, by the way, I wrote, and my coach, I've, I've done my Arthur Smith uh, write-up for my coach's article that will be coming out next month. And I, I do try to examine the fake sharp narrative for Arthur Smith. And uh, I think it's going to gain steam in 2022 because I think this Falcons situation is going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> and I'm not sure, if, even if he was like a real sharp, if there was anything he could do about it. So it's going to be an interesting year for Arthur Smith. I'm going to end the show here with a few, some really dumb wraparound questions. I feel like this one might be the dumbest question I've ever asked on the podcast. Yeah, that's good, yeah. I'm, um, I'm glad I'm here for it. I'll start with Crane, since he's in the top right box. Most people are listening to this, so they have no idea what I'm looking at. But who will score more PPR points in 2022, Patrick Crane, Russell Gage or Chris Godwin? Because Chris Godwin is injured coming back from a torn ACL, folks. Yeah, I'm going to say Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin was just peppered with targets to close uh, the year. He had two two game stretch with 17 targets and then 15 targets against the Falcons and Bills. Uh, it's, it just comes down to health. You know, is, is Godwin able to uh, get back and play enough? I do think that Gage is interesting because he can also play inside and out. I think he'll probably be in the slot while Godwin is out. 
Then when Godden returns, he'll probably be playing on the outside and kind of like an Antonio Brown, you know, maybe 70% route rate type of role. And that works pretty well. So I, I, I like the signing a lot uh, for the Bucks. I think they needed someone like this. I, I don't think they could use Tyler Johnson again the way they were last year. That wasn't working. So uh, good real-life signing, but I still prefer Godwin. Danny, who's going to get the more PPR points, the the Russ Gage or the yeah. Chris God? Uh, it's it's tough because you know Godwin's injury happened so late in the season. It did. You got to expect him to miss some time. Uh, I guess I'll still go with Godwin just because he's so established with Brady, and uh, it's a long season. You may have heard it's a long season, so. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not saying that you know Gage can't be useful for fantasy. Um, and like you said, Pat, the other day, uh, I think it's a huge, big boost for the Bucks, uh, pass catching room because, you know, they, they were lacking. Like yeah. we thought, we thought they had some depth. They had zero depth None. turns out None. in, in the wideout room. So Gage is, is, is an important ad. And, you know, if, if Evans gets dinged up at all, if, uh, uh, if Godwin takes his time getting back or if the, if the Bucks are kind of reticent to, to push him back on the field. Gage could be, um, you know, quite the the useful player for a while. You see, the Bucks. I just realized what they're doing. They're moving on from like the Rotoviz. I say this lovingly, like day two and three draft superstars, <laughs> like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller, and it's like signing like good NFL veterans <laughs> at this point, like Rashad Merriman, and they, they they're giving up on like athleticism scores and stuff. It's like, oh, whatever. Let's just sign actual good players. Oh, yeah, well. the, these like ninety nine percentile <laughs> dominator players who like that's actually their high school stacks. They didn't play football in college. They were on like a backpacking <laughs> trip in in Europe. But we're like, you know, they had a good dominator in some school, probably in the Midwest, I would assume. Yeah, of course. Uh, of it would be nice if one of those guys was good. I, it would I be nice say, if one of them like, was ever good. You know. And I'm truly not making fun of Rotovis because I have total solidarity with these players. Oh, yeah. I always think they're going to be good, too. And Dude, I think yeah, I, I, Go ahead. Pat. Score one for the NFL scouts on Tyler Johnson because his profile <laughs> when he was a rookie, we were like, this guy's going to be awesome. And then the scout, we're like, why doesn't the NFL like this guy? Now we know. But the he funny thing is, with the, yeah, with these, uh, the funny thing about like Tyler Johnson is like, like once you factor in the draft cost, he was, he was kind of a hit. <laughs> it's just like, you know, getting a few starts out of a late round pick these, is like yeah. somewhat useful. But if you actually watched it, you're like, I don't know. Was it a yeah. hit? That's a really no, good point. No, it really wasn't. Um, one word answer. Is it going to be Harrison Bryant season or David and Joku season? Kyle, and you can have more than one word because you didn't get to talk on the the Gage Godwin one, Kyle, Harrison, Bryant or David and Joku for the Cleveland Browns after the Austin Hooper release. And Joku don't need the extra words. And Joku's a super freak athlete, super efficient throughout his career. And Joku. He can't fail this time. Never. <laughs> I mean, Harrison Bryant has quite the resume, right? I mean, he was, he was the, um, he won that, the award for tight end of the year in college. Uh, I forget. Mackey award. Mackey award. Uh, I mean, he's, he's not nobody. Not Joku. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree. I, I, I listen. I desperately want Njoku to have get 110 targets this year. Okay, like I, I would, you know, chop off the little part of my oh. finger to right, that right. happen. Not to be dramatic, right. but uh, I, I'm, I'm very. Uh, Crane, break the time. Counting as a vote for Harrison Bryant. I'm gonna say neither. I don't really All want right. Jordan oh. Love's uh, tight end or whoever <laughs> oh, is gonna on, be quarterback. Who we get? Who's the quarterback gonna be? Marcus Mariota. It's not gonna be good. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be the next option. I really do think they would uh, be like 50-50 to get Jimmy at that point. If they They're going to be all over Jimmy. 
who I feel like is just maybe the worst version of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, is he yeah. worse than Baker Mayfield? I think he yeah, is. He's worse, than, he's worse than Baker Mayfield. I think yeah. maybe his decision-making is slightly better, but Baker, I still think, has a better idea of where the ball is going when he throws it than Jimmy does. Like down <laughs> Baker knows when he's thrown at a defender's face. That is That's true. Yeah, Baker does know when it's going to be a pick. I feel like Jimmy has no clue when it's going to be a pick. And he was playing with like one finger in the playoffs. I guess maybe we have to factor that in. Jimmy must know somehow because most of the picks come in critical situations. Yeah, most critical. (laughs) So anyways, that is our live free agent reaction show. We actually had a lot to talk about. We had a lot of really good discussions and we're going to have more. There's going to be more signings throughout the week. So please keep it locked to NBCSportsEdge.com. We're going to be blurbing every move and signing, every visit, every rumor, just every everything. Um, so please keep it locked. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be Karen. Do you have your podcast this week, by the way? Um, no, this was uh, the yeah. fill in for the Thursday pod, but we got uh, Danny Kelly coming on next week, talking oh, quarterbacks, yeah. diving into that. So check it out. You know, it's funny that uh, that's it's, Denny and I have actually talked prospects with Danny Kelly before you have. We did that at the Super Bowl. I right? heard. Yeah. So yeah, we beat you to it. That's what I do. Wow. <laughs> but that podcast canceled. I got to figure out a new guest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what Denny does. He just talks prospects with nationally respected draft analysts. That's what he does all the time. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. I didn't know Danny Kelly's come on the show. He's a friend of the site. Awesome analyst. Denny and I will be back next week. Kyle will be back with the college football show with Matt Stra. Actually, I'm hosting the college show next week, so I'll be back. I'm just finding out I'm on the college football show. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, it's only partly true. I just found out it started next week, although I have been preparing for a while. Interesting. All right. Well, the show's happening. And thank you so much for listening, folks. Keep it locked to the site. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.